Chapter 17 of The House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefano. Chapter 17 Lieutenant Puddock Receives an Invitation and a Rap Over the Knuckles. The old gentleman from their peepholes in the magazine watched the progress of this remarkable affair of honor as well as they could with the aid of their field-glasses and through an interposing crowd by jupiter sir he's through him said colonel bligh when he saw o'flaherty go down so he is by george replied general chatsworth but eh which is he the longfellow said bligh o'flaherty hey no by george though so it is there's work in frank nutter yet by jove said the general poking his glass and his fat face an inch or two nearer quick work general said bligh devilish replied the general the two worthies never moved their glasses as each on his inquisitive face wore the grim wickedish half-smile with which an old stager recalls in the prowess of his juniors the pleasant devilment of his own youth the cool old hand sir too much for your new fire-worker remarked bligh cynically tut sir this o'flaherty has not been three weeks among us sputtered out the general who was woundedly jealous of the honour of his corps there are lads among our fire-workers who would whip nutter through the liver while you'd count ten they're removing the the a long pause the body eh said bligh hey no see by george he's walkin but he's hurt i'm mighty well pleased it's no worse sir said the general honestly glad they're helpin him into the coach long legs the fellow's got remarked bligh these things sir are are very unpleasant said the general adjusting the focus of the glass and speaking slowly though no spanish dandy ever relished a bullfight more than he an affair of the kind he and old bligh had witnessed no less than five not counting this in which officers of the r i a were principal performers from the same sung post of observation the general indeed was conventionally supposed to know nothing of them and to reprobate the practice itself with his whole soul but somehow when an affair of the sort came off on the fifteen acres he always happened to drop in at the proper moment upon his old crony the colonel and they sauntered into the demi-bastion together and quietly saw what was to be seen it was miss becky chatsworth who involved the poor general in this hypocrisy it was not exactly her money it was her force of will and unflinching audacity that established her control over an easy harmless plastic old gentleman they are unpleasant devilish unpleasant somewhere in the body i think hey they're stoopin again stoopin again eh leggy unpleasant sir the general was thinking how miss becky's tongue would wag and what she might not even do if o'flaherty died ha on they go again and uh puddick 
getting in and that's tool he's not so much hurt eh he helped himself a good deal you saw but taking heart of grace when a quarrel does occur sir i believe after all tis better off the stomach at once a few passes you know or the crack of a pistol who's that got in the priest hey why george awkward if he dies a papist said cynical old bligh the ria were protestant by constitution that never happens in our corps sir said the general haughtily but as i say when a quarrel does occur sir they're off at last when it does occur i say heyday what a thundering pace a gallop by george that don't look well a pause and and uh, about what you were saying you know he couldn't die a papist in our corps no one does no one ever did it would be you know it would be a trick sir and o'flaherty's a gentleman it could not be he was thinking of miss becky again she was so fierce on the gunpowder plot the rising of sixteen forty two and jesuits in general and he went on a little flustered but then sir as i was saying though the thing has its uses i'd like to know where society'd be without it interposed bligh with a sneer though it may have its uses sir it's not a thing one can sit down and say is right we can't i've heard your sister miss becky speak strongly on that point too said bligh ah i dare say said the general quite innocently and coughing a little this was a sore point with the hand-pecked warrior and the grim scarecrow by his side knew it and grinned through his telescope and you see i say eh i think they're breaking up uh and i say i it seems all over eh and so dear colonel i must take my leave and and after a lingering look he shut up his glass and walking thoughtfully back with his friend said suddenly and now i think of it it could not be that Puddick, you know would not suffer the priest to sit in the same coach with such a design Puddick's a good officer eh and knows his duty a few hours afterwards general chatsworth having just dismounted outside the artillery barracks to his surprise met Puddick and o'flaherty walking leisurely in the street of chapel izzard o'flaherty looked pale and shaky and rather wild and the general returned his salute looking deuced hard at him and wondering all the time in what part of his body in his phrase he had got it and how the plague the doctors had put him so soon on his legs again ha ah, lieutenant puddock with a smile which puddock thought significant give you good evening sir dr toole anywhere about or have you seen stirk no he had not the general wanted to hear by accident or in confidence all about it and having engaged puddock in talk that officer followed by his side i should be glad of the honour of your company lieutenant puddock to dinner this evening stirk comes and captain clough and this wonderful mr dangerfield too 
of whom we all heard so much at mess at five o'clock if the invitation's not too late the lieutenant acknowledged and accepted with a blush and a very low bow his commanding officer's hospitality in fact there was a tender in the direction of belmont and little puddock had inscribed in his private book many charming stanzas of various lengths and structures in which the name of gertrude was of frequent recurrence and uh, i say puddock lieutenant o'flaherty i thought i i thought you see just now eh he looked inquisitively but there was no answer i thought i say he looked devilish out of sorts is he uh, ill he was very ill indeed this afternoon general a sudden attack the general looked quickly at puddock's plump consequential face but there was no further light in it he was hurt then i knew it he thought who's attending him and why is he out and was it a flesh wound or where was it all these questions silently but vehemently solicited an answer and he repeated the last aloud in a careless sort of way and uh, lieutenant puddock you were saying uh, tell me now where was it in the park general said puddock in perfect good faith eh ah uh, in the park was it but i want to know you know what part of the body do you see the shoulder or the duodenum dr toole called it just here general and he pressed his fingers to what is vulgarly known as the pit of his stomach what sir do you mean to say the pit of his stomach said the general with more horror and indignation than he often showed yes just about that point general and the pain was very violent indeed answered puddick looking with a puzzled stare at the general's stern and horrified countenance an officer might have a pain in his stomach he thought without exciting all that emotion had he heard of the poison and did he know more of the working of such things than perhaps the doctors did and what in the name of bedlam sir does he mean by walking about the town with a hole through his his what's his name i'm hanged but i'll place him under arrest this moment the general thundered and his little eyes swept the perspective this way and that as if they would leap from their sockets in search of the reckless o'flaherty where's the adjutant sir he bellowed with a crimson scowl and a stomp to the unoffending sentry that's the way to make him lie quiet and keep his bed till he heals sir puddick explained and the storm subsided rumbling off in half a dozen testy assertions of the general's part that he puddick had distinctly used the word wounded and now and then renewing faintly in a muttered explosion on the troubles and worries of his command and a great many shaws and several fits of coughing for the general continued out of breath for some time he had showed his cards however and so in a dignified disconcerted sort of way he told puddock that he had heard something about o'flaherty's having got most improperly into a foolish quarrel and having met nutter that afternoon 
and for a moment feared he might have been hurt and then came inquiries about nutter and there appeared to have been no one hurt and yet the parties on the ground and no fighting and yet no reconciliation and in fact the general was so puzzled with this conundrum and so curious that he was very near calling after Puddick when they parted at the bridge and making him entertain him at some cost of consistency with the whole story so Puddick, his head full of delicious visions marched homeward to powder and perfume and otherwise equipped for that banquet of the gods of which he was to partake at five o'clock and just as he turned the corner at the phoenix who should he behold sailing down the dublin road from the king's house with a grand powdered footman bearing his cane of office and a great banquet behind her and gertrude chatsworth by her side but this splendid and formidable aunt becky who had just been paying her compliments to old mrs colonel stafford from whom she had heard all about the duel so as puddock's fat cheeks grew pink at sight of miss gertrude all aunt becky's colour flushed into her face as her keen eye pierced the unconscious lieutenant from afar off and chin and nose high in air her mouth just a little tucked in as it were at one corner a certain sign of coming storm an angry hectic in each cheek a fierce flirt of her fan and two or three short sniffs that betokened mischief she quickened her pace leaving her niece a good way in the rear in her haste to engage the enemy before she came up she commenced the action at a long range and very abruptly for an effective rhetorician of aunt becky's sort jumps at once like a good epic poet in medius res and as nutter who like all her friends in turn experienced once or twice a taste of her quality observed to his wife by jove that woman says things for which she ought to be put in the watch-house so now and here she maintained her reputation you ought to be flogged sir yes she insisted answering puddock's bewildered stare tied up to the halberts and flogged aunt becky was accompanied by at least a half a dozen lap-dogs and those intelligent brutes aware of his disgrace beset poor puddock's legs with a furious vociferation madam said he his ears tingling and making a prodigious low bow commissioned officers are never flogged so much the worse for the service sir and the sooner they abolish that anomalous distinction the better i'd have them begin sir with you and your accomplice in murder lieutenant o'flaherty madam your most obedient humble servant said puddock with another bow still more ceremonious flushing up intensely to the very roots of his powdered hair and feeling in his swelling heart that all the generals of all the armies of europe dare not have held such language to him good evening sir said aunt becky with an energetic toss of her head having discharged her shot and with an averted countenance and in high disdain she swept grandly on 
quite forgetting her niece, who said a pleasant word or two to Puddock as she passed, and smiled so kindly, and seemed so entirely unconscious of his mortification that he was quite consoled, and on the whole was made happy and elated by the rencontre, and went home to his washballs and perfumes in a hopeful and radiant, though somewhat excited, state. Indeed, the little lieutenant knew that kind-hearted termagant and Becky too well, to be long cast down or even flurried by her onset. When the same little puddock about a year ago had that ugly attack of pleurisy, and was so low and so long about recovering, and so puny and fastidious in appetite, she treated him as kindly as if he were her own son, in the matter of jellies, strong soups, and curious light wines, and had afterwards lent him some good books, which the little lieutenant had read through, like a man of honour as he was. And, indeed, what specially piqued Aunt Becky's resentment just now was that, having had about that time a good deal of talk with puddock upon the particular subject of duelling he had as she thought taken very kindly to her way of thinking and she had a dozen times in the last month cited puddock to the general and so his public defection was highly mortifying and intolerable so puddock in a not unpleasant fuss and excitement sat down in his dressing-gown before the glass and while more the barber with tongs powder and pomade repaired the dilapidations of the day he contemplated his own plump face not altogether unapprovingly and thought with a charming anticipation of the adventures of the approaching evening end of chapter seventeen recording by john brandon